dolls. Those miniature human figures so beloved by the young and the young at heart are a worldwide phenomenon. They're a means of imitation, helping to satisfy a child's need or instinct to copy and learn through play. But they're also a BFF or a bestest ever friend. The doll-like form may go back as far as prehistoric times, that of idols and ancestor worship, and maybe, just maybe, once the symbolic or religious role of using figurines began to lose significance, perhaps that's when they became items of play for children. Regardless, dolls are time travellers with a series of complex stories to tell about resilience, racism, culture, tradition, family relationships, childhood, memories, escapism and love. Nowadays, there's a variety of dolls on offer, but surprisingly, it's the cloth dog cloth doll or rag doll that appears to be very popular still along with the very beautiful art doll and for some makers it's the detailing and embroidered embellishment of costume making for dolls that's become the favorite part of doll making. A simple Google search bears results such as 70 embroidered doll face ideas or heirloom dolls to sew and embellish, not to mention the myriad patterns and kits to create a doll diversity never before seen. But dolls can also be used as a teaching tool, a relayer of history or a profitable sideline often sold alongside alongside books reflecting the story through that doll. Now that's a very clever marketing ploy. No matter where you live in the world, no matter your wealth or income, where there are children, there are dolls in some form. And the handmade, handcrafted ones, the ones that show the ravages of time, are often the ones most cherished and best loved. Dolls are a mirror of time and society. So, Stitch Safari listeners, let's reach back to our childhoods where life was far less complicated and reacquaint ourselves with a love and passion for dolls. Perhaps like me, you even made some of their clothes. Perhaps it was the beginning of your love for a needle, a thread and textiles along with the formation of your creative career. The doll story is a fascinating one. Let's see where it leads us. Hello and welcome to the Stitch Safari podcast and welcome to 2024. This is a sprightly and upbeat expedition into the alluringly appealing ambrosial world of stitch history, art and embroidery. Each fortnight we'll trek through and discover the utilitarian, the decorative, the quirky and the just plain fun world that is the art of the needle. 
My name's Cathy Jack Copeland and I'm the Stitch Safari Expedition Leader. I'm an Australian textile artist, teacher, judge, blogger and stitch enthusiast whose work in contemporary machine stitch became my business. Embroidery elevates. It creates one-of-a-kind garments for dolls and many of the stitches used are really quite simple yet highly effective including stitches such as split stitch, satin stitch, French and bullion knots along with beautiful beading. But a simple needle, thread and cloth are all that are needed to create a beautiful, lovable and personalised doll. And there are numerous photographs and artworks of young children, especially girls, holding on to their precious, much beloved dolls. Sighted over the centuries are various types of small human figures made from earthen clay tubes, wooden objects, wax or composite dolls, many with faces and sometimes limbs, some elaborately painted. The most basic extant rag doll example is a 1st to 5th century Roman doll found in Egypt that resides at the British Museum. It's approximately seven and a half inches long, made from coarse linen stuffed with papyrus and rags. Coloured wool was applied to parts of the face and body and one glass bead remains on the head, suggesting that hair ornaments may have been attached. Wouldn't you love to know more about that doll story? There's also a mention of a rag doll from the 9th century and as great fairs became popular attractions in the 12th century, they also came to feature puppet shows. What little girl wouldn't yearn for a pretty doll dressed like the heroine from one of those plays and what doting mother wouldn't have made one for her? By the 14th century, though, two things afforded an increase in the interest of dolls and doll making. The emergence of the merchant class that saw a greater commercial exchange between European countries and the rapid increase in literacy, resulting in greater documentary evidence that we can now draw upon. While there's no evidence of a doll makers guild in England, German makers who led the field in doll making were formed into rigid structures by the late medieval period, and by the 15th century, doll making in Germany was well established. And while the depiction of dolls varied, uh, so too did their dress, much of this based on social rank. Humbler children dress their dolls more simply, while children from wealthier families dress their dolls more elaborately. The dolls were a reflection of those societies and their times. Hair also became uh, a question of social status. Some dolls have been found with real hair, some with silk thread hair, others have hats or simple cloth coverings over their head.
A woodcut by Max von Bowen shows a young girl with a doll and a cradle circa 1540 and a small doll belonging to Charles IX's daughter dating from 1590 is on display at the Royal Armoury Collection in Stockholm. Made from a wire framework wrapped in silk thread, this doll has an embroidered face real hair, a simple linen chemise beneath a skirt and bodice and two petticoats, one of velvet and the other of silk taffeta. The tiny sleeves are decorated with small pearls. By the 16th century, however, the depiction of dolls in paintings becomes much more frequent, indicating that in the lives of the wealthy children at least, dolls were quite commonplace and this was a time when a greater variety of patterns for dolls began to appear. The queens of England and France often exchanged fashion dolls from the 1300s. They were the means by which fashions, particularly French fashions, were disseminated before they were included in paintings and other artworks. But dolls are also a means of capturing and maintaining culture and costume, preserving and increasing the awareness of many distinctive and precious forms of embroidered art to be perpetuated for future generations. And as a result, dolls have become highly collectible items. Marie-Anne Le Menor founded the Maison Le Menor in 1936, producing a collection of dolls of Brittany, inspired by the richly adorned Breton costumes and their truly unique local embroidery traditions. Le Menor became concerned that the Breton costume was being worn less and less in the region and worried about the future of the distinctive and precious form of Breton embroidery. Embroidery in Brittany was the preserve of men who would travel from village to village to embroider jackets, waistcoats and costumes for their clients. This form of richly exquisite embroidery figured in the artwork of leading artists including Gauguin, Serussier, Bernard and Denis. Le Menor created jobs in the region and her fast-growing renown led her to exhibit in the 1937 Exposition Universelle in Paris. Her dolls with their embroidered costumes travelled widely throughout France and before long the world with Japan becoming one of her most important markets. Le Menor dolls were acquired by famous names such as Colette, General Eisenhower, Carolyn Kennedy and Prince Rainier of Monaco. Some of the most colourful and elaborate dolls are those of Peru. These one-of-a-kind dolls with embroidered facial features wear full woven skirts which may also be embroidered. Some carry a baby, a basket, a piece of pottery, a baby llama or a combination. Kachina dolls represent the culture of the southwest Native American tribes where every aspect of nature is represented by a spirit known as a kachina.
Dolls from the Caribbean are representations of those native peoples and their unique styles. So dolls really show the vibrancy of diversity across the globe and are a perfect learning tool for multiculturalism. One of the most exciting recent doll projects I found during this research, though, originated in 1998 called the Tattoo Baby Doll Project. This project serves to break down barriers and prejudices about women's work, roles, tattoo subculture, craft and art and was initiated by Sherry Wood while studying the history of embroidery. Wood found that tattoos carried a similar tradition to embroidery, that of deeply symbolic imagery that works to form community and serves to define and empower. And according to one article, inspiration for the project came from reading The Subversive Stitch, Embroidery and the Making of the Feminine by Rosika Parker. Using discarded and recycled dolls as her vehicle, Wood merged these two art forms, embroidery and tattoo art. She looked out for cloth-bodied baby dolls at thrift shops, then sent them to tattoo artists who then drew original designs directly onto the dolls. They were then sent back to her to be stitched. These dolls became reflections of their makers, showcasing different races, religions, sexual orientations and cultural backgrounds. What this project did was to draw together two distinct and divergent groups juxtaposing the traditions of both embroidery and tattoos. The end result is stunning. An array of design imagery, colour and texture, truly something worth investigating further, in my opinion. Dolls can also be a means to share stories and images, explore transformative experiences and help heal. The process of doll making itself takes the maker through a period of recovery and growth, inviting the exploration of a range of perceptions and emotions that could lead to a deeper and richer level of understanding and self-acceptance. The Smithsonian Magazine website tells of an exhibition that traced the history of black dolls, dolls that tell a story of play and resistance in America. Nora McGreevy, writing for the Smithsonian Magazine in 2022, includes images of three cloth dolls made by Harriet Jacobs, writer and abolitionist who escaped enslavement to write incidents in the life of a slave girl in 1861 one of the most influential slave narratives in American history and the first written by a black woman. These dolls made by Harriet Jacobs were for the white daughters of her employer, after her escape that is, and they wear fashionable outfits and feature finely embroidered expressions. McGreevy also explores the fictional African-American doll 
Addie Walker, who appeared in 1993, accompanied by six books detailing the life story of a nine-year-old girl born into enslavement in North Carolina, who escapes with her mother towards the end of the Civil War to settle in Philadelphia. And Addie's accessorised, with a pink and white dress, lace-up boots and a bonnet. But Addie also has a doll of her very own, Ida Bean, a cotton figure doll stuffed with beans who wears identical gold earrings to Addie. But like all dolls, both Addie and Ida have a story to tell. Many of the dolls made for both black and white children growing up in the 19th century America were sewn by black caregivers, helping to rehearse those children's future roles, both domestic and imagined, and reinforcing the basics of that era's racial beliefs and politics. Many of the dolls featured in the exhibition were created by enslaved or formerly enslaved black women, often made under impossible conditions using scrap fabrics and cast-off buttons. Black doll makers resisted a racist culture, making an argument for the humanity of their people and especially their children. And by something as simple as a black doll, adults were encouraging their children to think about race and politics from an early age. The politics of that representation in playthings such as black dolls came into being in the 20th century when black entrepreneurs campaigned for the manufacture of black dolls specially made for black children. There are numerous books on dolls and doll making ranging from half doll pincushions heavily embroidered with silk and stranded threads through to the simple yet adorable soft toys suitable for young children. There are princess dolls, baby dolls, angel dolls, Christmas dolls, grenadier guardsman dolls, animal dolls, wee folk dolls, you name it, I bet there's a doll to match. And they're made from a variety of materials, including paper, felt, socks, pegs, clay, wool, wood or yarn. They celebrate culture, tradition, healing, caring, sharing, creativity, protection and love. They're whimsical, realistic, arty, crafty and often tell a story. Or they do to the minds of those that can hear. What does that say? Dolls are popular. They're still popular and they probably will always be popular. And so they should be. They can be exquisite and pristine or something that ages along with its owner, showing the ravages of time and cleaning, but kept with a passion for memory and lived experiences. A doll is a friend, a companion, a protector, a carer and a playmate and an embroidered doll just makes them even more special. In fact, hand embroidery is the perfect vehicle for such small projects. 
While I'd never consider a tattoo for myself, I'm mesmerised by the idea of the baby doll project and the imagery of design ideas. What a fantastic concept. So if you have fond memories of a favourite childhood doll or simply want to explore this wonderful arena of creativity, give doll making a go. Start with a simple cloth doll. Just visit YouTube for tutorials and free patterns and add some embroidery to create pizzazz and individuality to your doll. One of a kind, that's what we're aiming for. Just go for it and enjoy the experience. As always, thank you so much for your time. I really do love having you here and it's truly appreciated. Tell your friends to tune in and subscribe and let's welcome in 2024 with even more embroidery-based adventures. Stitch Safari's now reached over 18.5 thousand downloads. Wow! And that's all thanks to you. It's also been mentioned as one of the 20 best embroidery podcasts of 2021 by Wilp Magazine, listed as one of the top shows about embroidery by Repod in 2022, recorded number three in the top five textile industry podcasts you must follow in 2023 by Feedspot and listed globally in the top 10% by Listen Notes. And I'm extremely grateful. Please leave a message and subscribe to the Stitch Safari podcast because there's just so much more to discover and it's all so fascinating. I do post interesting tidbits on Instagram and Facebook from time to time as well as book reviews and a blog on the Stitch Safari website so do head on over. Till the next exciting episode of Stitch Safari and our next inspiring adventure into stitch, embroidery and design. Bye for now. <laughs>